0: Sam everyone, Kurtymtivv. one of the um, I think maybe I had uh, spoken about this a little bit earlier, and that is um, when the quarantine first uh, was first imposed in Israel that Netflix Israel had uh, announced after about a week or so, that it was going to squelch, literally turn down uh, the quality of its video stream because they were afraid that people were going to crash the internet and um, Apparently, the internet didn't crash, but they did qu- turn down the quality stream. And it, uh, and in fact, highlights that a lot of people are spending a lot of time with their streaming services. So I was thinking about a classic movie, one that is amongst one of my very most favorites, and it has a beautiful message to it. I was uh, directed and screenplay was by, the, uh, was by this brilliant individual named Frank Darabont. Darren Bond's film, which I suspect you've also seen, is called The Shawshank Redemption. There's one scene in The Shawshank Redemption that is poetically chilling. In this scene, one of the the inmates who has been um, serving uh, his sentence for almost 50 years is finally set by the parole board to be go free. They figure that after 50 years of incarceration, of institutionalized life, there really is no more benefit, that if he is rehabilitated, and certainly by this point he is, because we find him, his name is Brooks, we find him in the, uh, in the jail. All he does, in fact, is spend all of his time in the prison library. He arranges the books, and then he goes around the prison distributing books for people to read. And they figure that by this time in his life, that really, Um, He's no threat to society. And as was the custom in those days, uh, he was paroled and set free. He was given a new suit to wear, a hat, $50, and a bus ticket out of prison. And they, in fact, arranged for him to move to a halfway house, and he gets a job uh, bagging groceries in a local local supermarket. The way that the scenes are constructed is that we follow Brooks As he goes through this quotidian schedule, day in, day out, of him getting up in the morning, walking out to the supermarket, struggling to fit in and understand the nuances of social life outside of an institution, bagging the groceries, watching the paper bags break, being yelled at by uh, his boss, all these things overwhelming to a person who had no autonomy in their life. And then the final scene of his life in the movie is where he hangs himself. And he etches into the wood rafters at the top of his room just before he hangs himself. Brooks was here. The message of the story is a difficult one. It's one that I believe is echoed if your Seder table is anything like mine. You hear this question, I'm sure. And that is, why do we say the same story every year? Why is it always, I'm asked, why is it always that the Israelites are leaving Egypt? Certainly people ask me, there must be some other thing that we could read about, some other moment in Jewish history that could frame our understanding of who we are and what we're meant to accomplish in this world. Why is it time and time again that we always come back to the leaving of Egypt, the slavery in Egypt? Why is it that story over and over again? And I think in part because freedom is never a simple thing. A question that emerges from this story is what exactly happened to the Israelites when they left? On one hand, one of the things that we read is that the Israelites, when they were brought out of Egypt, is what kind of language do we use to describe what happened to them? Now some people say that they were freed from slavery, that they were set free from Egypt. And other people use different language, that they were liberated out of Egypt. And what perhaps is the difference? What kind of language should we use? Well, on one hand, if you speak about freedom, that the Jews were set free from Egypt, that's a difficult thing for us to understand and accept. Because, for example, when you have a barn filled with animals and you throw the barn doors open, we say that you have set those animals free. And if you've ever seen any moment where you open your front door and your dog runs out into the backyard or the front yard, You see that a dog set free is a dog that runs in every direction. They literally burst out of your home without any regard to where they're going. When we set something free, just like if you would open up a birdcage, when you set something free, it runs off in any direction. And so I believe that the Israelites weren't set free. And if they weren't then, What then happened to them and to us? I'd like to offer something of an answer to this. And the answer actually begins with a story. It's a story that is found in the philosopher the Jewish German philosopher Emil Fackenheim, who actually moved to Toronto and taught at the University of Toronto for many, many years. Fackenheim in the book To Mend the World tells the story of another German Jewish philosopher. This one is named Hans Jonas. Jonas studied in the University of Marburg under some great philosophers, in particular Martin Heidegger, who is one of the leading experts in, in Kant and in Kantian philosophy. In 1933, Jonas realizes that there is great trouble brewing in Germany. And by 1934, he makes his way to what is then Palestine. And he vows a vow that when he leaves Germany, that he will not return back to his homeland unless he is accompanying and serving in the victorious army. He goes to Palestine in 34. By 1940 he joins the British army. The British army had a Jewish brigade. And then by 1944 he marches with the German army with the British army excuse me into Germany liberating Germany. In 1945 he goes back to the to the University of Marburg to see which acquaintances and students and fellow colleagues had survived. He also went back to the university to determine Which of these philosophical teachers and writers and thinkers could he possibly associate with again? In other words, who amongst all those who were deeply entrenched in the study of the great philosophies of the time, people who spent their lives and days debating the most ethical and truest ways to live, who amongst those actually prove themselves in the test of real life. Who stood up to the Nazis and who didn't? Most famously, perhaps, his teacher, Martin Heidegger, one of the foremost experts in Kantian philosophy, had become a spokesperson for the Nazi movement itself, legitimating by his presence in his words, the movement of the Nazis. And Hans Jonas wrote that he confronted Heidegger and he said to him that Heidegger was a fraud because all of the beauty that he spoke about and all the things that he had written about, about the nuances of life and the determination to be able to see the truth in life Heidegger had failed every test and as a result Jonas said that he could never ever study with him again. And so freedom is not a simple thing. Freedom is far from simple because many people, given the choice of what they want to do, in the most difficult of circumstances, we see them time and, ca- time and again, that they fail. And yet there's another story told to us by another survivor of the Holocaust, this being Viktor Frankl. And Frankl was once asked What is the greatest challenge that we have in life? And Frankl offers by saying that what we need to do in our time is that while on the East Coast of the United States, there is famously a Statue of Liberty, Frankl would go to say, what we need to do in our time is on the West Coast, build another statue called the Statue of Responsibility. So what happened to the Israelites when they left Egypt? Were they set free? No, they weren't. The Israelites didn't run off in every direction. We know that to be true because merely seven weeks later, they are brought to the base of Mount Sinai. And at that time, in those seven weeks that passed from their exodus from Egypt, just above me is the Aserah that he brought the Ten Commandments. And we know that those are revealed on Mount Sinai. The Israelites were not set free. Pesach is not a holiday of freedom. We don't celebrate freedom. So what then do we celebrate? We celebrate redemption. The Israelites were redeemed. They were taken out of Egypt. And they were brought to Mount Sinai as an act of redemption so that they would serve something else. Not Pharaoh not a human master, but God itself. On Pesach, we tell the story over and over again of our exodus from Egypt, and not of our freedom, but of our redemption. Because we realize in going back to the story over and over again, we are reminding ourselves that freedom is a difficult thing. It is beset with great failures, and in us being redeemed by God, We realize that we are set ourselves for great successes. Chag Sameach, everyone.